Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and we got kind of a mixed bag for you on this Wednesday edition of the show. We are going to continue the conversation of housing construction here in the United States. We're also going to talk about a new report from CoreLogic looking at rent growth slowing for the third month in a row. So it looks like rents are kind of following a similar pattern for home prices. So that is, that's interesting. We're gonna get to that in a second. We're gonna start though, like I said, with, I wanna say home, home. I, don't, I never like saying home construction. I like saying housing construction. I don't know why I don't like saying home construction. I don't, I don't know why. Housing construction. But for some reason I always like default to home, but I don't like the way it sounds. So we're saying, housing construction. Uh, We got the Census Bureau's new residential construction report for the month of August and a very mixed bag, I will say. So I was expecting this report to be pretty bad. I was expecting it. You know, remember we had the famous comment from Robert Dietz, the chief economist over at the National Association of Home Builders, who said that in August we were in a housing recession. And so I thought, oh, man, this guy is with the National Association of Home Builders. He's talking to these guys. He knows what's up with the housing market. If he's calling it a recession, he knows something. And so I was not at all. You can go back and listen to the podcast. After he made those comments in August, I said, ooh, this construction report next month should be interesting. And it was. No doubt about that. But it surprised me. So let's start because... For those that don't know about this report, it covers really like the three main components of housing construction. You got the permits, starts, completions. So let's start from the beginning. Building permits, privately owned housing units authorized by building permits fell more than expected. Economists were expecting a 4.2% drop. They actually fell 10%. And I wish... I had said that on yesterday's pod because I remember I was looking at the data and they I was saying, hey, you know, here's what's coming up tomorrow. And I almost said, could we get double digits? And I wish I would have said that because I could be playing that clip right now and gloating at to at my ability to predict the future. But I didn't say it. So I can't I can't brag about it. But I was thinking it. I was thinking it. So they fell 10 percent and are now down 14.4 percent year over year, worse than economists thought. And just in case you are wondering, the all important single family category authorizations were down 3.5%. So that's not surprising. As I said, you know, housing recession, okay. Building permits down 10%. Man, housing starts must also be doing bad. And the first thing when I saw this report, I was looking at it and it was like double digits, double digits, single digits. And I said, Ooh, man, this is a bad report. And then I looked again at housing starts and I said, well, increase (laughs) housing starts, privately owned housing starts jumped 12.2% month over month in August to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.575 million. That is slightly down from the same time last year, 0.1%, basically flat for the month. And that's actually what economists thought were going to happen. They were projecting, not negative, not positive, nothing. 
I didn't think anything was going to change for the month of August. So economists really kind of were off the mark in August. They they were way off on building permits, way off on housing. Well, actually, you know what? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was only a six percentage point difference in building permits and 12 percentage point different in housing starts. And single family housing starts were up 3.4% from the previous month. So we got big drop, big increase. What happened with completions? The mixed bag continues. Privately owned housing completions fell 5.4% in August to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.342 million. I'll tell you, it's really kind of amazing as to how frustrating it must be for home builders because, I mean, look how much smaller that number is. So the other two are like right around 1.5 million and then completions are at 1.3 million. Why? Because they can't finish the homes. <laughs> because they, they can't get the supplies. They're still having supply chain issues. So it fell 5.4%. However, year over year, up 3.1%. And single family, once again, the all important category, completions were up 0.4% from the previous month. So talk about a mixed bag, permits way down, housing starts way up, and then completions kind of in the middle. Now, the one takeaway from, from my perspective would be, it's great to see housing starts jump. It's great to see housing completions kind of somewhere in the middle, but the reality is, is that everything starts with the permits. And so you're seeing the permit with a 10% drop to an annual rate of 1.51 million versus housing starts at 1.57 million. It shows you that building permit, the rate of permits is falling below housing starts, which means at some point starts are going to fall as well, right? Because if you're not if you're not getting the permits, you can't have the housing starts, and then you can't have the completion. So the the permits front run all the other categories. So when you're seeing a big change in construction, permits is where it's going to happen to begin with. So when things skyrocket, permits are going to skyrocket. When things are falling, permits are going to fall. So that's the only negative to this report looking forward is that permits falling probably is evidence that home builders are not very confident, which we already know. I mean, that's why they have the home builder confidence index. <laughs> so it's great. It was, it was better than expected. I would say, cause I thought all categories were going to be in the red, but more than likely going forward, more red than green. I would say <laughs> because things are slowing in the housing sector. And that includes rent growth. According to the latest CoreLogic single family rent index, which shows that for the third month in a row, rent growth has slowed. It hasn't reversed. It's still on the up and up, but it's slowed for the third month in a row. According to the, CoreLogic report, U.S. single-family rent growth was up 12.6% in July when compared to the same time last year. So that's still a big jump. We're still talking about a double-digit year-over-year appreciation. I mean, that's that's not great if you're a renter. It is better than where it was. So last month, it was at 13.4%, and it reached a high, the highest I've ever seen in April 
at 14%. So it's slowing, but still high, 12.6%. And here's probably the worst part of this report, in my opinion. The biggest gains that we're still seeing, so the category with the biggest year-over-year jumps are going towards units where the people can least afford it. What I mean by that is that the lower priced units are up 13.9% year over year. Now that's compared with in July. So, oh, I forgot to mention this report is from July. So in July of 2021, we were looking at 6.3% year over year growth. Now 13.9%. Meanwhile, the highest price units were up 11.4% year over year. But here's the real kicker. That is only up 11 point, or excuse me, 1.3% from where we were last year. So you've seen the lowest price units have almost doubled. And meanwhile, the move among the highest price units has been almost statistically insignificant for the most part. And so it's kind of, that's kind of sucks because I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are people in the higher category that maybe have overextended themselves and can't afford the uh, increase. But the reality is, is that the people at the bottom can least afford it. And that's where it seems like they're seeing the biggest gains. And then the lower priced units, the lower middle price, excuse me, units and higher priced middle units were pretty much the same up 13.6 and 13.4% respectively. So those are, they're kind of in the middle there, but it just sucks that the biggest gains are going to the people who really can't afford increases like that. So there's, there's definitely going to be some changes in lifestyle for people in that category. And then basically it was the year of Miami. So Miami, of course, Miami, Florida held on to the top spot despite a five percentage point drop year over year to 30.6% in July. So that in June, it was at almost 36%. (laughs) So here it is uh, in July, up still up 30.6%. But this is now the 12th month in a row that it led this category. So the whole year, Miami was the top dog. Uh, Number two was Orlando, Florida. So Florida is not the best place to be renting right now. They were second at 22.2%. San Diego and Atlanta tied for third at 14%. And then Las Vegas rounded out the top five with 12% year-over-year growth. Molly Basel, who is the principal economist at CoreLogic, said that rising costs for homeownership, basically raising, you know, prices are still going up along with mortgage rates, means even though rent prices are slowing, they may not fall or they may not, slow as fast as some people are thinking. Basel saying in a statement, quote, July marked the third month of slower annual gains in single family rents. However, higher interest rates this year increased monthly mortgage payments for new loans and potential home buyers may choose to continue renting rather than buy, which will help keep prices in check. Which, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, when, when you start put pricing people out of being able to buy, they got to live somewhere. So they're going to keep renting. But it is good news 
that rent prices have fallen for three straight months. So that is a silver lining. If you are looking for it right now is hopefully we'll see some relief for many renters out there who unfortunately can't buy. And, you know, before we go, I did want to mention, um, you know, along those lines, Connor Sen, who had a great piece last week about um, buying in this market and why he thought it was a good idea. He has another great piece this week talking about the divide in this country between homeowners and renters. And he pointed out that what's interesting about it is that in 2008, the economies that were not reliant on housing construction and homeownership, basically big cities, you know, places like New York, San Francisco, a lot, a lot of places where there's a lot of renters, young people, renters, they were the first to bounce back from the Great Recession because they weren't as impacted by the downturn. They were, everyone was impacted, but they weren't as impacted. And what Sen writes this week is that the exact opposite is happening, where this divide between those who bought before the pandemic and those who have not yet purchased, there is a growing wealth divide for the exact opposite reason. Because remember, you know, everyone was calling for the housing. Here comes the housing crash. Here comes the inventory Armageddon. It's not happening. I mean, prices, sure. I mean, they're calling for, you know, some markets could see some big drops in prices and we are going to see prices fall, but nowhere to the point, we're not going back to pre-pandemic prices. And so we're looking at significantly higher rates pre-pandemic with also higher prices. So in any way, shape or form, if you are one of the tens of millions of Americans who bought or owned a home before the pandemic, I mean, you are in a very good place financially in any way, shape, or form you look at it. And more than likely, they probably refied during the pandemic and got a really good mortgage rate and are sitting on a ton of equity. And the people who are trying to buy are still in great shape. I mean, as we all know, that housing is the best way to build wealth, but you're not as you're not in as good a position as the people that bought before the pandemic even if prices fall 10, 20%, which I don't think they're going to fall 20%. Let's say 10%. I mean, during the pandemic in those two years, home prices were up 45, 50%. So falling 10%, you're still in, even if you bought right before the pandemic, you are still in a pretty good place, I would say. If you want to read that piece, it is in the companion newsletter with everything else that we talk about here and more, some stuff we don't have time to get to. I'm trying to keep the podcast shorter, which I'm not doing a good job of. It's the, We're already over 15 minutes. My goal is to keep it under 15 minutes. So we got to go. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. Big day, Fed meeting, or I should say the Fed announcing the 75-bit hike. We, of course, will talk about that on tomorrow's podcast, as well as mortgage demand and rates. We'll, we'll discuss that on tomorrow's show. But you guys, enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, as always... Do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.